Good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. My name's Aaron, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you are here, and if you're nervous now, good, you should be. Um, yeah, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to take a minute and say happy Mother's Day to you. Um, I, I know that there's so many emotions, okay? <laughs> I've only been here a year. And I know so many of your stories. And so I know that there's a flood of feelings this morning. Everything from joy <laughs> and just thankfulness to real pain. And so please know um, I did not plan to do this. Man, you guys are... <laughs> I just can't, I can't look at you and know your stories and not know that there is joy and there is sorrow and there is sadness and there is mourning on a day like today. So while we do honor and celebrate and praise God for the gifts that, that mothers are and, and the gift of motherhood, I want you to know to every single one of you, you matter and you're seen and you're loved. And I hope that today what we walk through will remind you that, that God is still up to something good, okay? I hope it will remind you of that. Now, we, we sorry, I'm, I got to transition for a minute, but we, we, uh, we honor mothers today. It's just an incredible day to, to celebrate Mother's Day. In a month, we'll honor uh, fathers as well. We have, we have Father's Day. I, I just want to know, um, when are we going to start honoring firstborns? Um, I, I, you know, we, we kind of made you moms, so we're kind of a big deal. Uh, so it, it, all in favor, please say aye. And all the firstborn said amen. All right, good. There we go. Okay, I had to do something to transition from that. So, yes. Uh, now, I have a, a question for you to, to get into what we're going to talk about here this morning. And this is, this is actually kind of a, a message that will be designed to, to apply, yes, to, to, to women and to mothers, but also to every single one of us. And I want to show you kind of how, okay? Does anyone here uh, actually like to play golf? Is anybody? Okay. Lots of people waste money on a golf course, okay? Um, or spend it or whatever. But, uh, y you know, a few of you like to to play golf. I brought in a few things with me here this morning. Um, don't, don't be nervous. It's, uh, I'm very good, actually. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I already tested the windows. They're shatterproof, so uh, we're good. Uh, it, I, I've noticed an interesting thing. If you've ever played golf, okay, you, uh, you step up, right, when it's your turn. Usually you go and you play golf with friends, or you're out on the golf course, and there'll be people there. If you've ever watched a golf tournament, you, you ever notice how there's like people, they line all the way around the tee box and you're standing there and you step up and there's this like interesting phenomenon, okay? 
You step up to go and hit. And people can be talking, right? But then as soon as you step up for, for, for your time, everybody does what? They go silent. And what do they do? They go silent. Don't just have your hands ready, okay? I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I had a plastic one. I thought about hitting it, but uh, they step up. And all eyes are on you. Everyone is watching. Right? It's a little bit like, you know, I have a son who's, who's playing baseball right now. Okay? Uh, do you like my baseball? I thought about, you know, bringing a real baseball. You know, it's a little bit like playing baseball and you go up to bat. And everybody is watching the interaction between just two individuals the pitcher and the, the batter. Everyone is watching. The pitch comes in. Are you, are, you, are you alive? Are you here? The pitch comes in and we'll see. There you go. Oh, yes. Okay. Just glad I missed you. Yeah. You, you could tell my superior skills here uh, this morning. Everyone is watching. And if you've ever been in those positions... I, I guarantee you felt this next statement that, that, that I want to share with you. I guarantee that you felt all eyes are on you and everybody is wondering how well you're going to do. In fact, everybody is watching you as you approach the ball and you get ready to hit the ball. Is he going to slice it? Which apparently everyone, like how you don't slice it, I don't know, you know. I haven't figured that out. Is he gonna? Is it you know? Is he gonna hit it straight? Is he gonna duff the ball? Is he gonna? If you're up to bat, are you gonna strike out? Everybody is watching, and here's the thing: everyone will be judging your performance. It feels like that, you know. And here's the thing: I think being a mom probably feels like that every single day. Now I don't know personally. But what I hear is that it's like that. And I know that whether you are a mom or not, you have areas of your life where you feel like somebody's always watching you and they're judging your performance. How well are you doing? Even if you're a dad or at your job or, or whatever it may be, somebody is watching and judging how you're doing. Years ago... Um, when my oldest, who is about to turn 15, um, and my middle child was just one. So my wife and I at the time basically had like just about a four-year-old and, and uh, a child who could just walk. She took them out to, I think it was McDonald's, and someone that we happened to know who was a pretty critical person watched a mom with two toddlers at McDonald's, two boys who were quite energetic, if you know what I mean. Maybe you've seen moms in that situation out, maybe you've been in that spot. That person watched and later sent a card to my, my wife telling her that she was not fit to be a pastor's wife or a mom. Yeah, yeah. I don't tell you that 
to draw attention to her. I tell you that because you need to realize, I, I think we've all felt that pressure, like somebody's watching us, somebody's judging us, and somebody's going to say, you're not good enough. What do we do? What do we do when this is going on in our lives? What I want to do today is I want to walk you through a couple different passages of Scripture. They're not necessarily just connected and perfectly intertwined or anything like that. Today is not some like perfectly figured out message, but I just want to take you to, to a couple of different passages that give you four reasons that you can take heart when you feel like everybody's watching and your life is on display and maybe, just maybe, you're not enough. And I don't care if, if, if you're a mom or not a mom, want to be a mom, haven't been able to be a mom yet and you don't understand why. I don't care if you're here and you're a guy or if you're here and you're a, a child, a student, whatever. You will feel that at some point. You will feel, man, I'm not sure I'm enough. And what do we do? What do we do? Well, the good news is that God's word gives us reasons that we can take heart. And we don't have to stay there. Reasons that we can say, I know that God is doing something in the midst of my situation, in the midst of my particular you know, life circumstance. God is up to something. What is it? Let me take you to the book of Romans to start. Romans is a letter written by a man named Paul. He wrote it to a bunch of Christians in what was at that time the center of the known world, a city that was the center of the known world, a place where it was very difficult and becoming more and more difficult to be a believer in Jesus Christ. He wrote this letter probably somewhere in the 50s, probably around 58 AD, which by the way, at that time, persecution of Christians was really, really ramping up. If you were outspoken about knowing and, and loving Jesus, it was possible that you would end up in the Colosseum, not just watching. It was possible that you might end up in Nero's gardens, and you weren't there for good reasons. So Paul writes them, and one of the things he talks about is what it's like to suffer and what it's like to go through hardship and what it's like to be kind of, you know, living life on display. And he says this in Romans chapter 8, in verse 28. It's a very well-known verse. It says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. All things. All things. Really? All things? Your sleepless nights. The thanklessness of changing diapers. The crying out to God and asking for a child, but the, the prayer doesn't seem to be answered. The situations that, that are completely out of your control. All things actually work for good for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is that real? Paul seems to say yes. I'm going to skip over a little bit in the verse and go to the next verse. In verse 29 it says this. It says, for those God foreknew, this is the idea that he, he, he's... God knew you really even before you were born, and I would say also that he, he chose you to be his child even before that. 
Those that he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, he's up to something. He's doing something to change you. He's doing something to change me, to be more like Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. In other words, we are the brothers and sisters, and Jesus is the pattern, and he's the one that he's trying to bring us into conformity into. What, what, what's my point here? My point is that God is doing something. He's trying to make you more like Jesus. He's using the circumstances and situations, whether it's job or home or work, kids, no kids, married, not married, whatever it is, he's using it to teach me patience, to teach you perseverance, to teach us self-control, to teach us compassion to teach us how to be servants and how to be humble. So yes, he works all things for good. That doesn't mean that every circumstance feels good. I know many of your circumstances and my heart is heavy. But God is doing something. Here's, here's the first reason that I want you to know you can take heart. God is refining you through this season. I, I don't know why your season is what it is. I, I don't know the ins and outs of what God is working, but I do know that God is working to refine you. God is taking the peculiar season that you find yourself in, and he's orchestrating all of the pieces of it, the people the, the choices, the, you, you know, the, the hurts, the joys, the sorrows, all of it. And he is orchestrating something so that you and I learn how to depend on him. And he makes us more into the image of Christ. And so I guess what I want to say to you is, um, for many of you, I know your circumstance is hard and heavy and full of hurt. And I want you to know that God is up to something. That God sees you right now, right where you are. And he is doing something good. He's doing something good. And here's the thing. If, it, if, if, if I were God, and this is clearly a hypothetical because, boy, that'd be messy. But if I were God, I, I probably wouldn't do that in your life. Like, I would just try to make things easier and comfortable and safe, and what I have found is that in my seasons of ease and comfort and safety, I think I'm pretty good, and I depend on myself, and I don't grow and change. But the fact is, God is refining you, and he is refining me. And here's the thing, too, I want you to hear and know, because the problem is we look at our circumstances and situations and we begin to wonder, well, does God love me? Does God see me? Am I just not good enough? Does he just not care? You know, did I mess up too much? Here's the thing. If God is refining you and if God is using seasons to refine you, that means God loves you. He, he is for you, not against you. If he wants us to be more like Jesus, how much would he have to hate us to leave us alone and to just let us wander? He loves you. 
Now, the same author of the book of Romans writes to a different group of people, people who lived in Thessalonica, a town that was about two hours north of of, uh, modern-day Athens, Greece, and he he talks to them about the the work that God is trying to do in their lives. And he says this in in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. That word means change or cleanse or set apart. God is trying to change and cleanse me and set me apart. And unfortunately, I do everything I can to make myself comfortable and keep myself from pain. And yet God has a different agenda. He's trying to set me apart through and through. Then he says, may your whole soul or spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Something that I want to point out is, who does the keeping of us being blameless? Well, it's not me. It's actually Jesus. Jesus is the one who keeps me blameless. And and, and here's here's what I think was particularly appropriate for this. Man, there is so much. We, We hear today about mom guilt. Ever heard of mom guilt? Like, I didn't do enough. I didn't, I didn't say what I should. I didn't handle that right. I didn't respond. I didn't. Ugh. And I, even if you're not a mom, you know what that feels like. You know that guilt. Can I just tell you, the one who makes us more than enough, it's not you. It's not me. It's Jesus. Jesus makes me blameless. And if, if you're here today, I would just urge you, man, uh, the, the call for us is to put our trust in Jesus and to rely on Jesus and to know that he is the only one who can remove all of that guilt and he holds us and he preserves us. God is refining you. God is doing something. And here's, here's how he ends that particular chapter. He says this, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He will keep you blameless. See, what God is doing is, it's a little bit like digging ore of some sort out of the ground. Just a little way south of here is, is uh, a little place called the Electric City, Scranton. Anybody ever heard of it? Now, you guys heard of it because you live here, but most of the world only heard of it once the office came about. But that area is known, not for Jim and Dwight, but it's known because of all of the mining that took place. They would mine ore out of the ground. And when it comes out of the ground, the ore is really in this like crude state. It's surrounded with all kinds of stuff, right? It's, it, it comes out and it's horrific. Okay, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, that was really bad. But it has to be refined, right? And that's what God does. He takes us through this heating process to remove the impurities and the things that are weighing us down. I love what John Piper has to say. He says this about the refining process and God. God is a refiner's fire, and that makes all the difference. A refiner's fire does not destroy indiscriminately like a forest fire. A refiner's fire does not consume completely like the, sun, uh, the fire of an incinerator. A refiner's fire refines. It purifies. It melts down the bar of silver or gold. It separates out the impurities that ruin its value. It burns them up and leaves the silver and gold intact. Do you notice that? It doesn't burn indiscriminately. God does not burn in your life indiscriminately. He's doing something. 
second, you can take heart because not only is God refining you through this season, but he has actually called you to this season, which means he has a purpose in it. He has a purpose in it. There's a purpose in getting woken up at 3 a.m. to a screaming child. Yeah. There's a purpose to dealing with vomit in the middle of the night. I don't know what it is. But yeah. There's a purpose to having to change a bed after a nightmare. Yeah. There's a purpose to dealing with back-talking teenagers. <laughs> uh, yep. Let's go back to that passage in Romans. Romans 8 says this. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You've been called. And God is working something. He is doing something. Listen, the season may be rough or the season may be you know, wonderful. The season may be terrible or the season may be full of joy. Whatever it is, God has called you to this season for a purpose. He's also called you to be holy in it and he's called you to be faithful in it. He hasn't called you to control it. He's called you to be holy and faithful. And he will take care of the rest. That's who God is. And that's what he does. I want you to know that again, while I would probably do something different in some of the seasons of my life, and you would probably orchestrate something different in the seasons of your life, God has not messed up. I know some of you are here today and you want your kids to come home. Yep. I get it. I know some of you are here today and you just miss someone because they're gone. I know. God has called you to this moment. He's called you to be godly and to be faithful. And he is doing something powerful. And I promise you, there will be a day, there will be a day when it will become clear and you will be able to see it and you will say, what? It's like, it's like one of those, you know, those, those, those uh, magic reveal pictures that you got to like cross your eyes and do all the stuff. And then all of a sudden, you see the picture. But when you first look at it, you have no clue what in the world's going on. It is the same. God is doing something good. Take heart. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He's at work. Third, you can take heart today because God has given you everything you need for this season you say, wait a minute, uh, you don't understand. Do you know what my finances look like? Do you know what's going on in my kids' lives? Do you understand how my parents have been treating me? Do you understand what my husband is like right now? Do you understand how long we've been waiting? No, I, I don't. But I do know who God is. And I do know his track record. And it's really good. And this is what he says in 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter, by the way, a man 
who history tells us was crucified upside down for his faith. Crucified upside down and then later, more than likely, buried someplace around what is today called St. Peter's Square in Vatican City, a part of Rome at the time. Peter says this, his divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God has given you everything you need. Now, here's the thing. We have to fight comparison. Boy, there's a tendency to compare, right? If I could just have what she has, if I could just be like he is. If I, we have to fight that because God has given us everything that we need. And here's the thing. I just have to say this to you, to you ladies because I have heard it so many times from, from moms and, and struggling you know, men and women. But here, here's the thing. God didn't call someone else to be your kid's parent. He called you. You may feel inadequate, you may feel unequipped, you may feel unqualified, you may be ashamed of some of your past, but God called you, God asked you to be there, and he has given you everything you need. He's given it to you, and he will provide, and he will take care, and and he will be good. And I'm not promising you it won't be messy, but I'm telling you, he will take care of everything. Can I tell you a little story about, in my own life about this? About six years ago, I was really struggling, feeling um, inadequate as a pastor. Probably comparing, you know. And we took some of our staff to a, a conference down in Atlanta, and I was really, really wrestling with it. I'll be honest with you, I was, I was on the verge of thinking like, man, do I just need to step back, you know? Because we get stuff in our heads, don't we? Went to Atlanta, stayed with some of our good, good friends. That night we went to church with them in a church I'd never been in. No one knows me but our friends. The service goes on. It was, it was good. And at the end, they had people standing around the edge and said, hey, if God's putting something on your heart and you're wrestling with somebody, just step out and talk to somebody and, and they're going to pray over you. And I'm sitting there having this war with God and I'm like, ain't no way I'm stepping out. Mm-mm. And I understand why some of you don't step out while we do, when we do it here. I, I get it. And then my friend, our, our friends, my wife and I, the, 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 the wife who's good friends with my wife is, just turns to me and is bawling. And she just grabs me and she said, Aaron, I need you to pray for me right now. And she starts telling me about how she's wrestling with stuff with her kids and feels completely like she's messed up and hasn't, you know, done what she, isn't enough for her kids and, She's bawling. And I'm looking at her like, I can't pray for you. I've got my own problems. <laughs> I didn't say a word to her. I just turned and I'm bawling and I prayed and I probably said some, who knows what. I don't know what I said. I prayed and she stops crying and then she stops. She goes, Aaron, 
I just need to pray for you. This is what she prayed. This is all she prayed. God, please show Aaron that where you've called him, you will equip him. And then she stopped. And if I was crying before, you can imagine what was next. I get cleaned up. We go to leave. We go to another location. I had to pick up packets for all of our team. We were starting this conference the next morning. I walk in, get my stuff. There's bags. I don't remember how many people were there with us, but I get all the bags for my team, and we're, we're going. We go back to their house. I open up my bag, and in, inside my bag, there's a, a little letter, a handwritten letter that somebody who was organizing this conference had written, and it said, Aaron, we've been praying for you. We're praying. <laughs> we're praying that God will show you that where he calls he equips. 30 minutes apart. 30 minutes apart. So I instantly grabbed somebody else in the car. I said, hey, open up your bag. Did you get a card? Because the skeptic into me is like, yeah, that's what they wrote to everybody. <laughs> so we went through every card. Not a single of them said anything like that. You're going to tell me that God can't take care of you? I'm going to tell you, he's been doing it for a long time, whether you know it or not. His divine power has given you everything you need. God has given you everything you need for the season that you are in. And we may not understand it, but I'm telling you, he's up to something. Finally, here's the fourth one, okay? Number four, God is preparing you right now for the next season, okay? He's doing something. He's cultivating the soil. He's tilling it up. He's getting it ready. That's what God is doing. I know this because Paul wrote another letter to the church in Ephesus and he told them God has a plan for you. He's going to use you to do good works and he's already prepared them beforehand. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, for we are God's handiwork. In other words, God is like, he is doing something through us. We are proof that he is doing something, Okay. He created us in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared, look at this, he prepared in advance for us to do. I don't know what the next season has to hold, but I know who's holding it. It's God, and God is preparing you right now for the next season. Keep trusting him. Hold on. He is up to something good. Whether you find yourself in the journey of struggling and you really want to become a mom, okay. And I don't have all the answers for that. But God's up to something. He's preparing you. We are God's handiwork. Now, we created a video this, this uh, month so that you could hear from a, a mom, not just a, a dude. Would you listen for a few minutes as Kristen, one of the gals in our church here at Bridgewater, shares her experience? I always wanted to be a mom, and I really wanted to be an amazing mom. I felt pretty prepared because of how I grew up, but I didn't expect motherhood to reveal just how selfish I truly am. I'm sure I heard that, but I obviously didn't listen. 
God has and continues to use motherhood to refine me, to make me more like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus, but I struggle to see the day-to-day challenges as God refining me. I allow my kids and my circumstances to control my emotions, and then I'm not quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I struggle to restore my kids gently. I forget that God is using everything and everyone around me to remove what isn't like Jesus. So I have to ask myself, am I letting him do that or am I fighting against it? Do I respond based on what my kids are or aren't doing? Am I sinning in my response because I'm not getting what I think I need? Am I comparing myself to moms around me? Am I sinning in order to get what I feel like I deserve based on all I do? If I remove God from the equation, I miss the fact that He is refining me, making me more like Jesus. The only way to be a great wife and mom is to be like Jesus. I have to be willing to allow God to decide what that process looks like for me. God is the one who determined when I became a mom, how many kids we had, how close together they are, and how long I will need to mother them. He created me to raise Cole, Maggie, Sadie, and Gracie. He decided whether they were awful or good babies, how much sleep I got, how bad the terrible twos were, which actually turn out to be about 18 months to 18 years old, how many times we were in and out of the hospital, whether my kids were outgoing, shy, athletic, artistic, musical, academic. But he also determined what motherhood would look like for me in this current season. He wanted me to raise four teenagers during this time in history, in this culture, in this community. He determined what circumstances would enter my world that don't have anything to do with motherhood. He actually orchestrated the events of history to bring me to this exact moment in life and in motherhood. He wants me to be a mom right now to an 18, 16, 14, and 13-year-old and knows that not only is that the very best thing for me, but it's actually the very best thing for them. If he orchestrated the events of history to give me those babies and to bring me to this point, I can be confident he will give me what I need to do this well. The one who called me to this season will be faithful to see me through this season. Here again, though, I have got to ask the question if I actually live like I believe that on a daily basis. If I know that he will give me everything I need for this season, then I can't look at my kids or my circumstances to determine if I have everything I need to be godly. When I delivered my miscarried baby and then did it all over again three years later, when my baby won't stop crying for months and I spend night after night crying in the darkness, when I watch my child continually struggle to breathe, when my child's emotions were out of control, when I watched my child be wheeled into heart surgery, when my kids won't stop fighting with each other, when I hold my sobbing teenager, when my child is so mad at me that they won't even talk to me, when I have no idea how to navigate 2023 with four teenagers, when I'm tired and weary from sacrificing and serving and repeating myself and being constantly needed, when I'm lonely, when I'm hurt, those are the moments that I have to remind myself that He has given me everything I need to be like Jesus. My emotions and feelings don't have to control me. I can do this. 
I can respond with grace and gentleness and patience. I can have joy in the chaos, a peace that makes no sense, and an incredible confidence that he is good. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, so I'm pretty sure he can give me everything I need to respond like Jesus. I worry about my babies. I worry about their future in this world and the future of my grandbabies. I worry about how I will handle the next season. But if I believe that God is good and that he is currently preparing me for the next season, then I don't have to worry about the future. I just have to be faithful right now and take the next right step. God is already in the next season. He will give me the grace to handle what he asks of me then. If I honestly look back, I will see that he has been faithful in every season. He won't fail me now. Instead of running from the difficulty motherhood or life brings, I want to allow it to help me surrender any selfishness, prepare me for what is next, and give him everything knowing that his goodness is running after me. So here's, here's what I want to do. I just want to close the time of just looking at God's word together by praying over each one of you and praying that the goodness of God will be what sustains you. That we will fight back against the idea that it's about our strength or our ability or our capability, but instead we would recognize that it's actually God and his goodness, and his provision. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for all that you have done. And thank you that you love us so very, very much, that you provide everything that's needed for us. You've, you've orchestrated every piece, even the pieces that we don't like or fully understand, you're using to refine us and to, to pull out the impurities that that are there because we are human. We are strugglers with sin. So God, thank you for loving us enough to not leave us there. God, I pray that you would remind us and help us to just revel in and be, be really just amazed by the fact that your goodness is running after us and your goodness is providing for us and your goodness will not leave us alone. No matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, that is who you are. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.